Hello, everyone. I hope you're having a great day so far. I am super excited about today's episode because my guest is my first ever follower submission guest. My guest is Jenna Libman, and we dive right into all things UGC content creation. If you want to make social media your career, but you don't want to be an influencer, you don't really know how to start, where to go, what you can do, Jenna shares her advice on how to get into UGC content creation, as well as social media management. I do want to give a trigger warning as the second half of this episode, we talk about some of her trauma from high school, from losing her friend to suicide and losing her boyfriend to addiction. We don't talk in explicit detail, but I do know this is a very sensitive topic and I wanted to give y'all a forewarning before we get into the episode. Two Jennas is better than one. Wait, is? Or should it be are? Two Jennas are better than one. Well, you get what I'm trying to say. Anyways, I hope y'all enjoy this episode. And if, if you'd like to be a guest on my next episode, you can submit your story to my website. It is funonweekdays.com. Okay, are you ready for this? I'm so ready. Okay, let's get into it. You guys, welcome back to Fun on Weekdays podcast. Today, you are joined by not one, but two Jennas. I am joined today by Jenna Libman. She is 23 and one of my followers that submitted to my website um, told me a little bit about her story. And I was tearing up when she told me about herself. And I just knew that I needed to have her on this podcast and share her story. So Jenna, uh, go ahead and introduce yourself, just a little bit of background about who you are, and then we'll just jump right in. Awesome. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Love another Jenna. We are <laughs> superior in the world of Jennas. But um, yeah, I'm Jenna. I'm 23. I graduated college at the same time as Jenna Palak in May of 2020. And I've been an entrepreneur ever since, a serial entrepreneur. And I've kind of, my path hasn't been the most conventional. Um, if you want me to jump into, I guess, like <laughs> my childhood and fun stuff like that. But Basically, I started, I became an entrepreneur in, I want to say 2015. I was 16 years old when I first started my clothing business. I have a secondhand clothing business. And, and of course, like, I feel like I want to say I started like the Instagram, like resale pages because I was one of the first ones to do it. But I started doing that and I was pretty much paying like, you know, whatever bills you have at 16, which isn't very much just like, you know, fun, fun money, I guess. That's what that money was supplying to me. Um, and I did that all through college. I really loved it. And throughout college, I was a marketing major. And the whole time I was thinking like, okay, I'm going to graduate with a marketing degree, probably go to some corporate marketing nine to five and agency job. But of course, COVID happened and I had to take matters into my own hands. And I started freelance social media management from there. Um, and that's what I've been doing ever since. And I've really enjoyed it so far. Um, and then if I want to back up even further a little bit to like, I guess my younger childhood, I feel like I've just always known that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, even with that mindset of I'm just gonna get a nine to five, whatever. Um, and throughout my childhood, I literally I played video games that required me to like, put myself in a mindset of an entrepreneur. And from then on, from literally the age of like, probably five or six, I was like, this is how I want to live my life. Like, I want to be on my own schedule, manage things and just do my own thing, run my own businesses and make my own money and just have full control of my life and my situation, whatever the situation may be. 
Love that. Love a little background information about you. So I, I don't think you mentioned it, but where did you go to college? I went to the University of North Georgia, which is in Dahlonega, Georgia in the mountains. And I'm from the metro Atlanta area. Okay. And remind me where you live currently. I live in the Atlanta area. I live at home with my parents. I moved here after, I guess, during COVID, like between that couple of months between graduation and COVID. Okay. How is living with your parents while being self-employed? So I've been here for two and a half years now, just about. And, you know, like me and my parents are cool. Like we're, they treat me more like a peer than like a child at this point. And they're great. Love them. However, I'm feeling a little antsy at home right now. (laughs) Literally just over the last few weeks alone, I've been, well, I've been wanting to buy a house for a long time now. And of course the market is what it is. Um, And I've been struggling with that a lot with the antsiness and the wanting to just do it. And I really don't want to rent because I feel like I'm going to throw my money away when I'm working from home and I don't really have a destination to go to. But yeah, so we're kind of in that phase right now where I'm like, okay, let's just get the ball rolling. The market is starting to slow down in Atlanta. Yeah, totally. I feel you on that feeling like antsy in your home is one of the worst feelings because your house is supposed to be somewhere that you go back to and you feel calm and, and, you know, like you have a place to kind of relax. Um, so I can imagine sharing that space with your parents is a little bit different than sharing it with maybe somebody who is your age, like in the same wavelength of their stage of life right now. Um, Mm -hmm. so for your job, then I know you said that you are a serial entrepreneur. So can you explain to us what that kind of means? Yes. So um, serial entrepreneur, literally as straightforward as it gets, you run multiple businesses, you have multiple streams of income. And I feel like even if you have a nine to five, I feel like you should have multiple streams of income, no matter what that may be. Because one, you could probably find a passion in something that could make you money and it could just be a little passion project for fun. But also I just really don't love feeling dependent on one stream of income And of course, I don't really have any bills to pay that I like, you know, I'm not trying to pay for my dinner on the table every night, but I'm thinking about obviously for when that time comes, I don't want to lose one social media client and then feel like I can't feed myself or pay my bills. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. And so with your social media right now, you are on kind of like the opposite end where you are managing other people's social media accounts. Are you then the face of their content and everything, or you're just kind of doing like the behind the scenes? Um, I'm mostly doing the behind the scenes, but with some of my UGC work for user-generated content, there are a lot of opportunities out there. I haven't had one quite yet, but where I could be the face of like a TikTok account and just make like, you know, 30 days, 60, 60 days worth of content in one sitting and just be the full face. But I haven't had an opportunity like that yet. I've just been kind of making more one-off content in that regard. But as far as the management side, it's very behind the scenes. Okay, cool. So you do kind of both. So you manage their pages, but then you also create the content. And I feel like now there's this age where people don't, well, I I do think a lot of people realize now, but prior to like maybe three years ago, this wasn't necessarily like a job. Um, Mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit more about UGC content, how you got into that? And I think it's a little bit different from what I do, right? Because like my face is like my page, I guess. And Mm -hmm. so you get to create the content and you still get to be a part of like building a brand without having to like put your own self image maybe at risk. So can you talk about UGC and kind of, you know, how other people can get into it and some of the pros and cons of working in that type of industry? Yeah. So I, for the last, I literally probably during quarantine. So I guess two years, two and a half years ago, I wanted to get into influencing and 
pretty much do what you're doing where your personality is kind of your brand, like you are your brand. And with TikTok and, and with Instagram too, I've just had the hardest time with growing my following while also posting stuff that I genuinely just want to put out there and enjoy. So, and that's a lot of pressure on you, obviously. Like if you feel like you're doing all you can and you're still not growing and things still aren't happening for you, you get a little discouraged. <laughs> but I was starting to really get into it in, I guess, January of this year. I like started using my LTK, started doing my Amazon storefront, all that fun stuff and okay. you know, made, you know, pennies here and there from that kind of thing. But I discovered UGC in April and UGC for anyone who's not familiar with like the marketing world, UGC has been around for a really long time without even like realizing that UGC is what it is. Like you've probably made UGC for free without even realizing it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yes. And the fun thing about it is you don't have that pressure about, you know, your metrics, your you know, putting on a presence for yourself on social media. If you don't want to be on social media, you really don't have to. There's, I, I'm not a huge fan of this, but there is like an opportunity to be a UGC creator without showing your face at all. Like just fully, you know, filming your hands, filming what's going on around you. I wouldn't do it that way, but it is possible. Mm -hmm. um, and I discovered this world of it around April or May, I think. And it's booming right now. Like if Again, if you're in the marketing world, you've probably heard about how crazy it is right now, just on TikTok and especially on Twitter as well. It's a huge community on there and people kind of make it seem like a get rich quick kind of scheme. And <laughs> yeah, it's very much not. <laughs> it's not like, you know, it's not something that should be advertised as such. People who want to sell you a course will advertise it to you as such, mm -hmm. but it does take a lot of work behind the scenes and it takes a lot of patience and dedication because people will be posting on TikTok and Twitter. I just made $10,000 off UGC in my very first month. And then you're like, okay, well, where are my deals? Why am I not getting any offers? Right. So it can be equally discouraging in that regard, but it should, it shouldn't be approached that way to begin with that. It's some, you know, easy money kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Do you think that UGC, um, generates enough revenue that you could live solely off of that? For me, at this point, probably not, but I could see it in a few months down the road once I really get into it. But I know people who are, who are making 10 K off of it okay. and not, you know, flexing it all over TikTok just to sell a course kind of thing. Right. Yeah. The courses have always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Like, I don't, I don't know what it is about the courses. It just feels very MLM, like pyramid scheme yes. type situation. Um, and it, you know what the thing about the courses is it's always the people on TikTok. They're like, here is how to go viral. And then like mm -hmm. that video itself has like 5,000 views. I'm like, how are you telling people how to go viral? But like your videos itself aren't doing that. So I think anyone who's listening to this, just be a little cautious of who you're listening to and taking advice from, um, for you, where did you find UGC, like how did you, how did you get into it and learn about it and kind of like your value and all of those things and find opportunities, I guess. So I stumbled upon it from someone who was talking about her journey and her name on TikTok is social cheat sheet. And okay. I highly recommend looking into her. She does coach and she does have courses, but she's very not scammy. Like despite everything that we just said, <laughs> she, she does not have that vibe whatsoever. I've gone on calls with her. I paid her to talk things out with me. She doesn't gatekeep with me. And she's fantastic at, you know, describing her journey and just being as um, explicit as possible and honest about the situation. And she started posting of just literally day one was like April 1st for her. And she ended up making like decent money, not, a, not an insane amount of money, but a realistic, like I put the work in and this is what happened kind of money. Out of curiosity, what, 
how much is that? I'm just so curious. I feel like every single person has a different opinion of like, what is a lot and what is, you know, like what is a ton? Like to Mm me, $10,000, like, holy shit. Anybody who's making $10,000 in their first month of doing UGC, it's like, why would not, why wouldn't everyone be doing UGC? And then it could be like, okay, you made like five videos and you made 50 bucks. It's like $10 a video. I've seen so many people do that. And I guess like, if you have the time to do that, then totally. But I feel like within UGC and content creation, there is such this gray area of the value of a video and like, you know, how do you find out how much you're worth if no one's on the same page? Cause no one's really talking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it is really hard at this point because it's kind of a new thing to offer as a freelance opportunity because the values are all over the place. A lot of companies, even like these massive corporations are doing just gifted work oh, and yeah. <laughs> I, and I'm not totally against gifted work, but I feel like if you are some huge corporation with probably a decent sized marketing budget, maybe I wouldn't lean towards gifted work. And it's different, of course, if like you're working with a teeny tiny business, like a small business. I love doing gifted work like that. Mm-hmm. But the ranges as far as paid work are very much all over the place to where I'm getting offers for $10 a video, $30 a video, $70 a video. I set my rates personally at $150 a video currently. And Good I also job, girl. more than one. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so I, and I think I am justified in my price because I have two years of social media management experience, as well as I'm just like, I'm 23. I'm a member of Gen Z. I'm an active member of TikTok. So that definitely gives me an edge as well. Not to say that people are older or other generations can't do it, but as long as you are fully submerged in like TikTok culture and just know like what's trending and you keep up with that kind of thing, then you'll be solid in that regard. Yeah. I think that's a good point too, because like, I mean, obviously every single brand translates to a different generation. Like there's a lot of moms. There's a lot of like, I don't, gosh, I'm trying to think like homeowners, obviously, you know, like you're not going to get an 18 year old probably to do UGC for a homeowning business. Mm -hmm. Um, but I definitely do think that having a knowledge of TikTok and trends and stuff definitely plays to your advantage. Um, so with having two years of social media experience and setting your rate at $150, do you think what, what goes into somebody basically setting their rate for UGC video? Like, does it depend on the brand that you're working with and the deliverables are asking for, or is it just a flat fee for any type of video, no matter how long it is, no matter what brand it is? So I, I think this relates into influencing as well. The way that you have to talk about usage rights and, um, what's the word it starts with a P it's the length of time that they can use the video. Um, and things like that. Yeah. I forget what that word is, but that goes into UGC as well, because I think about, and I'm sure you have to think about this as well. Let's say a brand that you work for has a, you know, a massive PR scandal and they still want to use your content. Mm. You have to have the right to say like your usage rights are up. Like you have to stop right there. You already paid for, let's say 90 days and you can't do any more even amidst like, you know, a PR scandal, God forbid. But, um, 150, I would say is probably like the base rate. And then of course it goes lower and higher depending on packages. And then if you want to work in the usage rights, um, whitelisting, like with, um, TikTok spark ads and fun stuff like that. Um, so it's very much all over the place. There's a lot of negotiation happening and I'm always happy to negotiate with brands within a degree, but I do kind of have, you have to know your worth. You have to know your boundaries. I'm not never, ever going to be in a place to probably take like a $50 for one video that to me, just, it's not worth my time to sit and wait for the product to deliver, edit the video, 
wait for approval. It's just, it's not worth my time. Totally. And I think, um, as you continue to get more opportunities as well, I think that could be a really great place to start getting into UGC. Obviously, you know, like you have to get your foot in the door somewhere. Like that's how I started too. I had never been paid for a TikTok video before ever. And I started working with a lot of small businesses. They would send me stuff and I would just, I would just mention it in videos. And then somehow over time you start getting paid. And then as you're getting paid, it's like, wait, there's just so much overconsumption in the world too, that it's like, you kind of got to pick your battles of like, do I really need this? Or, you know, it really makes you kind of narrow down the brands that you do want to work with and what you're willing to, to make your value for them, I guess. Um, I did have a question. So you said $150 for a video, which is great. Like, that's awesome. I'm so fascinated by all of this. Um, because you don't, you don't consider yourself like an influencer. I wish I did. Honestly, I wish I had the platform to start influencing, but you know, it's a work in progress. It's not going to be an overnight thing, but I consider myself, well, of course I consider myself a UGC creator, but I guess just a creator or, or content creator kind of thing. Yeah. See, I think there's definitely been a shift in kind of the phrasing of word influencer versus content creator, because realistically everyone in their life, everyone, no matter how many followers you have, you are an influence. Like you are an influence of the people around you, of your friends, of people that you meet on the street or at Trader Joe's. Every single person has an influence in this world. Whoa. Oh my gosh. I was just choked on my, <laughs> on my throat. Um, so going into UGC, then I just have a couple more questions and we'll kind of shift out. So how many, um, videos would you say that you would get like per week? Um, right now it's, it's very much in waves. And I feel like it's kind of the same with social media management and any, I guess, freelance opportunity one week, I will have nothing for like three days, which means I can hang out and relax and take some days off during that time. Because with social media management, it was really hard for me to turn off and I'm still into social media management and it is hard for me to turn off. But UGC does allow me to have like those waves between um, periods of like, you know, product being delivered and things like that. But I will say, I don't know what, I don't know what it is. I don't know what's in the air, but on whatever the day of the week it is, I'll get like three deliveries at once. And I'm like, okay, great. I have 20 videos to make. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. That's great. And I'm sure it'll probably pick up too with the holiday season coming as well. Um, mm-hmm. So definitely. Absolutely. Is there a platform that you use to find opportunities or do brands reach out to you directly? So I have been getting a lot more inbound because I've been growing my UGC specific TikTok quite a bit. And so people have found me on there, but Twitter, like, I mean, I barely use Twitter since like middle school, like early high school, but Twitter has been where it's at for like, specifically, I made a UGC Twitter, I advertised myself as a creator and I made a portfolio. I put it on there and it is a huge community on there of both creators and brands and founders and CEOs are all on Twitter like on the lookout for creators. Wow. I would have never expected Twitter, maybe like LinkedIn. Right. Mm -hmm. And people do have luck on LinkedIn too, but I personally just, I don't like LinkedIn just as a user. I get overwhelmed with it really easily. So I know people do find opportunities there too, but I just, I found my heart in Twitter and I don't want to spread myself too thin. Yeah, totally. Speaking of spreading yourself too thin um, and being an entrepreneur, self-employed girly, I know you said that sometimes you'll have like a lot of projects and then other times you'll have nothing for three days. So how do you manage, um, days that like you do have to spread yourself super thin to get things done for deadlines or managing the days that like are just kind of super slow, you know, just having a very non-conventional 
schedule in comparison to, I'm sure a lot of your friends who might work a nine to five, like how has that been for you? Admittedly, it's not the easiest thing because I get a lot of paralysis with, if I get overwhelmed, I will sit there and do nothing. And it's, Mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't even call it a habit or a bad habit or a good habit, but it is what it is. I'm trying to figure out ways to cope with it. And I'm sure I'm not alone in this feeling of when a lot is coming at me at once, I shut down. I just emotionally shut down. I can't get my work done. I can't focus, but um, we're working on it. And as far as like day to day, what I've been doing to try to figure it out, I try to, I, I'm not very good at like agendas or to-do lists and things like that either. So Girl, I'm with you. Must God, be a Jenna I, thing. I don't know. It's a Jenna thing. It literally <laughs> is. Um, I, I struggle with that a lot. So, and people will look at me and think, oh my gosh, like how, again, like, how do you manage it? But you're also not organized. It somehow in my brain, it makes sense. It, it's cluttered up there, but it makes sense to me. The, the system that I somehow throw together every single day, it's never the same. Of course, it's never the same every day, but I try to keep deadlines in mind because some projects don't have deadlines. Some are, some are just like, you know, ongoing tasks that you have to do. I try to get the stuff that does have the deadline. Like I do that urgently. And then the ongoing stuff, you know, I get to it when I can. And when I'm not feeling overwhelmed, then I can really actually knock it out and focus on it. Okay. Okay, good. I mean, just so you know, you are not alone with that feeling. What did you call it? Paralysis? Paralysis. Yeah. Paralysis. (laughs) I never knew there was a word for it, but that's how I felt for weeks and like months. It's almost just a never ending feeling, you know, like once you get one project done, I think we're always constantly looking for the next thing, always constantly moving. And then you get five things come at you once. And it's like, whoa, wait, I can't handle all of this. Like amidst taking care of myself and having time with my family and my friends and like having fun and being alone also. So, um, just one other question about UGC and then we'll kind of transition over to another topic, but what is your best advice for anyone listening that is looking to kind of start like a side hustle of doing UGC content. And also, I don't know if we ever really clarified what UGC content is. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I UGC, know what it is. <laughs> yes. I'll clarify for everyone else out there. UGC is content. Well, okay. Let me break down user generated content. It's pretty much in the name. You are the user of the product or the service and you are making, you know, a TikTok and Instagram reel. It includes photography. It's not this high class expensive production. Like you're not in a studio with some commercialized video shoot. It's just something like in your home, you know, grab any product around your home, talk about it. Mm -hmm. And it works a lot with TikTok trends. It works a lot, you know, with trending sounds and things like that. And just literally take five seconds, pause the podcast and scroll through your TikTok feed. You'll see probably at least one of them. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, every time somebody picks up like a vacuum cleaner or, uh, or I don't even know, like Febreze or something, or you're scrolling and like your friend is telling you about a mascara she got, like all of those videos are technically considered UGC. Mm -hmm. And I think the really cool thing is, is like, if your video ever does do well, you have an opportunity then that that brand might reach out to you and be like, Hey, we want to repost your video. My Mm -hmm. best advice is don't ever let people repost your shit for free like ever, because you have no idea what they're going to do with that video. They might run that as an ad. It might generate them hundreds of thousands of dollars. It happened to me when I first started social media, Walmart reposted one of my videos of a flannel. It was like a hot pink flannel turned out the video went viral. They reposted it as an ad and then they changed their entire landing page so that when you Google pink flannel, the Walmart flannel popped up. 
And I'm like, oh my God, the fact that you're not getting credited for all of the sales that you could potentially contribute. So any of those videos you already have, um, I guess what Jenna is telling us is that all of those videos can technically be UGC. So it's not really something that you have to like learn, but maybe just kind of acclimate your content based to the brand and what they're asking for you. Right. And there is, of course, like a strategy to it. Like you have to think about um, like, you know, good hooks and things like that. Think about what you would want to see if you were this brand's customer. What kind of TikTok would you like that wasn't in your face, like selling to you, but Mm -hmm. would still get your attention and get you to possibly buy the product? Okay, good. That's really good advice. So anyone listening, go out there, be a UGC creator, get your get your bag. Um, Join me on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And also, too. Well, I guess we can cover this at the end. I was going to say, I know you said that you're not an influencer, but I have, I just have a feeling you will be. And also you are, everyone is. (laughs) Um, So what is your actual like personal, or if you don't want to share it, that's okay too. But like your, your channels where you post your own content, that's not, you know, UGC. Like my personal accounts. Yeah. So my personal account, like (laughs) shameless plug, if you all care to follow me, it's just my first and last name on Instagram. Then on TikTok, it's God forbid my gossip girl obsession coming through. It's little underscore underscore J. I don't think my last name's even on there because it's just for funsies. Like I just, if it goes viral, like I've had things go viral. If, you know, if people follow, if things go viral, so be it. But I, I love just, I found a love in just posting things like just whatever a literally stupid thought comes to mind, I'll post on TikTok. <laughs> That's the most natural way to gain a following too then because you know that you're just creating content that you genuinely have fun making and you're not trying to cater to a specific audience. You're not trying to like constantly go viral for every video. And I think that might be the key to going viral is to stop trying to do that. And then naturally like your people will just find you. And Mm -hmm. it'll be a much more engaging audience because they've seen a collection of your videos versus just like maybe one that went viral that you're trying to like get out to a specific audience. Right. And like something that's always bugged me about some like influencer coaching and everything when I was looking into it was they say you have to pick a niche. Mm -hmm. And I have so many passions in so many places. I love doing outfit videos. I'm a thrifter. So I love showing my thrift hauls. I I love makeup and beauty. I love just making stupid jokes, like stupid sayings that are relating to a trending topic. I love talking about TV shows and books I'm reading and watching. Like, I don't want to pick one thing to talk about. And I felt very forced to when people were saying that, like saying you have to pick something. But now I just don't like I don't care. (laughs) I am so with you on that. I get so irritated when people say pick a niche. Um, I get it. Like, I understand the reasoning and why people say that. As you just said, every single person in the world has tens or hundreds of hobbies and interests. And so for you to just hone in on only one single interest, you're just really shutting yourself off to thousands, millions of other people that could relate to other parts or aspects of your life and other interests. So why not share them all? And then over time, just collect kind of a group of people that embody all of your interests overall. And they don't have to all agree with you on certain things, but like that's the beauty of life is people can introduce you to other interests versus just following fashion people or just following cooking people, just following book people. Like you can be all because in our everyday life, we are all of those things. Absolutely. Like humans are just multi-passionate beings. And I don't like the feeling of being boxed in. I forgot I was going with that, but yeah, hundred percent agree. And even, and I may not be the most credible source by saying that because I literally only have like 500 followers on my personal TikTok. But my goal isn't really to grow anymore because, you know, I've started making money doing other things, Mm -hmm. but you know, it is what it is. I'm just having fun with it. 
you are a credible source girl. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. So my last question, being an entrepreneur, you are juggling UGC, you're doing social media management. Um, I'm sure you probably have some other side projects as well. While also living with your parents and being 23, you have been listening and following me for a while since I've started with my resume video. (laughs) So I'm curious to hear from you kind of what fun on weekdays meant to you when you first found me and what it means to you now at this point in your life. I, when I, when I first found you, it was hard at the time because it was in the middle of the pandemic. So fun on weekdays was the same thing for everyone every single day. But I, during the pandemic, when I wasn't doing homework, and of course, I don't know about you, but my professors kind of just gave up after that since it was our graduating semester. Yeah. So I literally would just sit and play video games, go tan and hang out outside. We find a pool to go to. That was the most fun to me. And I had just turned 21, like March 15th is my birthday. So it was that weekend that I turned 21. So I was like drinking like legally as much as I could and not in a bad way, but like I was like getting a good mark whenever I could and, you know, making a fun drink whenever I could. But that at the time, I, I guess May, June, July, 2020, that's what I was doing. But come now, I would say my, I guess, as far as a specific activity, I love going thrifting. It lets me step away from work. I can put my phone away and that's so hard for me to do when I'm just, you know, if I'm sitting at home, but especially it's even better if I can bring friends with me as well. And it's literally just the best way to clear my mind. Like I, I haven't had the most amazing, like I take that back. Like I I've had a great life over the last few years, but I've gone through some things that make me, um, you know, make me sad, you know, as a normal person. And I love using thrifting as my excuse to step away, just turn my mind off. And if I'm feeling, I don't want to use the word depressed because I'm not diagnosed or anything, but if I'm feeling upset about something, I can just fully step away from everything and just go thrifting. Yeah, absolutely. It's also a creative outlet too. Absolutely. And then, and of course I can make money off of it by my, with my clothing business. So even better. Okay, cool. Do you feel like it's hard uh, living with your parents to kind of like have fun? Do you, do you feel a need to kind of tell them what you're doing all the time or ask for permission or like, do you ever feel guilty to leave the house or, you know, kind of prioritize yourself at this stage in your life when, you know, obviously I'm sure you care about your parents. You probably want to spend time with them, but also like kind of put yourself first sometimes. Yeah. And like, luckily, and I'm sure other people that are in my shoes, um, may have issues with this, but my parents, my parents are chill. They don't make me that I don't have a curfew or anything silly like that. Um, and my boyfriend lives long distance. He lives in Mississippi. So I can just, I can, I have a cat as well, so I can leave my cat with them. I know that somebody's going to be watching her and I can go for a weekend or whatever and go visit him. And I don't feel guilty, I guess, like going out. They, I'm an introvert, so I do stay in a lot. And, okay. and that's my recharge just staying in. But so when I'm going out, they're like, oh, yay, have fun. Like, have a good oh, time. Oh, yeah. Ride. <laughs> okay, so it sounds like it's opposite where it's like, they're probably like, oh, hell yeah. Like, she's getting out of the house. She's getting yes. out on the town. Like, thank like, God she's leaving us alone. <laughs> okay, see, I feel like whenever I go home, it's the opposite. My parents are like, we just want to spend time with you. And I'm like, well, I want to see all my other friends and I want to do stuff. So finding that balance, especially, you know, when you don't live with your parents, don't get to see them all the time is hard. So, I mean, definitely appreciate the time that you do get to live with them. Um, cause there's going to come a day, you know, when we don't get to see our parents as frequently. So going into the next topic, which I really want to talk about 
kind of your boyfriend and your past and some things that happened to you in college and like, or sorry, high school and how things have kind of, um, influenced your life. I know you touched on feeling sad and, you know, feeling lonely sometimes. So when you first sent me a message, this was the part that like really struck a chord with me. Um, you told me about losing two people that you really cared about. I believe it was the senior year of high school. So if you are comfortable, if you would like to share kind of a little bit about that story and by all means only share what you feel comfortable with. Um, and if you don't want to, we're good. We don't have to. Absolutely. No, I, I'm very ready to share my story because I, I tell people of course, and I'm extremely open about telling my story. I post on social media, you know, I'll, I'll get into the, the advocacy that I do in regards to the situations that happen. But I, I've always been told I should write a book as well about my a memoir, if you will. But this is but this is a really good platform for me to do so. Like, I feel like my the last five or so years have led up to this moment. <laughs> that, that's so dramatic. But like, it's true. Like, I really I feel like I'm at a perfect place right now to share my story. So anyway, let's get into it. So my senior year of high school starts and I was doing rolled at a local college near me. So I was not attending my high school at all. Like I was in my senior year of high school, but I was doing freshman classes, which by the way, I'll just take a side note. If you're a rising senior in high school, that's what you should be doing. Mm -hmm. I got my whole freshman year of college for free just by doing this with a local college. Um, And I was just kind of over high school at this point. And that's kind of why I did it as well. Not beyond like the saving money, but I was just like, I want to move on to bigger and better things. And that may not be the perfect quality because, you know, you should always appreciate where you are, but is what it is, you know, it happened. So senior year starts and this is like August. And I don't think I mentioned this particular situation in the email, but I'll start with that as kind of like the snowball effect. I did have, it was my boyfriend at the time's best friend. He passed away suddenly. He has just, he had cystic fibrosis. So it was one of those things that like he had a terminal illness, like, you know, think, anything could happen at any time, but it was sudden and unfortunate when it happened. I wasn't super close with him. So of course I was upset, but I carried on. I, I was fine. And like after a few weeks, um, but then come December, I, one of my close, really close friends, we hadn't, unfortunately hadn't talked in over a year at that point, but we were definitely childhood friends. She, I don't know if I needed to put a trigger warning or anything, but she committed suicide. And she, it was, that was completely sudden, of course. So you can't predict that. And that was New Year's Eve of my senior year. And that, when I tell you this rocked the community, like it was insane. And I'm from like, I'm not from a small town. I'm from like Metro Atlanta, like just outside. So it's, it's a big town, but it has small town vibes where everyone knows everybody. Everyone knows what's going on. Mm -hmm. And she was very popular. She had a lot of friends. She was a cheerleader, everyone knew who she was. So people were shocked that, you know, you don't expect the cheerleader to be harboring all this trauma and depression, of course. Yeah, of course. Yes. And so rock the community. She like, this was like, of course, over winter break. So I go back to school. Like I go to her funeral, all like the rest of us do. It was, it was horrifying. Like truly I would never wish that experience upon anybody um, to lose somebody in that sudden and terrible Mm -hmm. way to not even, and then to have so many unanswered questions about the situation as well. Like I think about her, I'd probably say every day. Mm-hmm. And, and it sucks because like I said, we hadn't talked for over a year at that point. And we did not on our friend, our friendship was not ended on a good note. So that's even, that's even harder to deal with, but you know, day by day, we just live with it. 
Um, I wish I had advice to give to somebody who's also going through the same thing, but gosh, it's, it's hard to tell people how to deal with a situation like that, even though you've been through it. Yeah. Do you feel like, um, because you guys never really reconciled, do you feel like you have just a lack of closure that you have been kind of harvesting over the couple of years and just thinking about like things that could have gone differently? Absolutely. And then that's really sad to say, because I have made a lot of peace with it over the last, and this was 2016. So gosh, almost six years ago, I, at first, of course, the closure was not there. It was very hard to come to terms with it. She, she shows up in my dreams a lot. So I feel like I get a chance to see her there. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't remember a lot of details from my dreams literally ever, unfortunately, but I remember her appearance here and there. And I'm like, okay, great. I get to see her again in, in a positive light, hopefully gosh, hopefully it was a positive dream, but, (laughs) but there is a lot of lack of closure with any sudden death in that way, especially so young. And of course I could always say I have regrets or wish that things went another way, but there's no use in having those kind of regrets. It just, it would, it would hold me back a lot more than I feel like I am. That's, that's a really good outlook to have on it. I think, especially when something's so tragic, tragic, happens. I'm sure. And I cannot speak to my own experience. I'm very grateful that nothing I've never lost someone close to me in this, in this way, um, to look back and just constantly think of like the guilt of, you know, I I should have texted her. I should have called her or I should have hung out with her one last time, you know, and to not fixate on the guilt, but to look forward. And I think seeing her in your dreams is probably Mm -hmm. a sign of, you know, she's doing better and she's, you know, like thinking about you and she wishes you well as well. So I think that's a really great outlook to just kind of move forward and live your life in honor of her versus, you know, letting, letting that guilt hold you back. I guess a piece of advice that I could give to somebody who knows somebody who may be going through something like this is to, again, not feel that regret, but I have to remember, especially about my specific situation with this friend that she had a ton of trauma and horrible experiences in her childhood that I, that me as like a fellow 16, 17 year old girl, there's no way I could have relieved her of this trauma. You have to remind yourself that you're only one person. You're not a professional therapist. You're not a psychiatrist that could relieve somebody of this horrible upbringing and trauma they could be going through throughout their whole life. And then even worse, if you didn't, if you didn't know about these things till after the fact, they probably made it that way on purpose mm-hmm. and there's nothing you can do. And as terrible as that sounds like there, there is stuff you can do. You can be there for them as much as you can, but you, there's only so much power you have. And you have to remind yourself that if you ever feel that kind of guilt. Big news, you guys. If you haven't seen yet, I am hosting my biggest event ever. It is in Austin, Texas on August 26th, which is Women's Equality Day. We will be celebrating my podcast one-year anniversary in the only style that I could possibly think of, which is a country disco carnival. Duh. I mean, what else would be on brand? Tickets are on sale in my TikTok and Instagram bio, as well as my Facebook group. Country disco attire is encouraged. It is not mandatory, but think cowboy boots, sparkles, patterns, pink, orange, silver, metallics. 
If you need any outfit inspo, I have created a Pinterest board that is linked within the tickets, and I've also linked a bunch of options on my Macy's landing page, which is macy's.com forward slash FOW. Again, don't feel the need to buy anything new, but if you are, make sure you get a good deal. Head over to Macy's, again, macy's.com forward slash FOW, and I will see you guys on August 26th. So March of 2017, I just turned 18 um, and our prom, my high school prom was the following weekend. And I had been dating my boyfriend at the time for almost two years at this point. And he was deeply struggling with addiction for probably, I would probably say a lot of his teenage life. And people can argue with me about this, but I can very boldly say that weed can be addicting and it can't, it can't kill you. I don't know the sciences on why or how things happen like in your brain or anything but I watched him like just basically become more of a zombie the more like more weed he smoked on top of things like Xanax coming into play and things like that the combination of things like that it it was just it's hard to watch somebody and just for other people to come in your ear and say oh but weed's not addictive it won't kill you but that was the easy part I guess of the situation and it got harder further into our relationship, probably I would say six months before he passed away, when he got into hard drugs like heroin and things like that. So, and people always ask me as well, like, were you aware of things like that going on for the time period it was going on? And I very much wasn't. And he, addicts in general and people who have addiction, they keep their loved ones very out of the loop because sometimes they feel ashamed of it and they they know that loved ones could judge them for something like that. And and knowing me, knowing my 18 year old self, I probably would have been judgmental of it. So he was right to keep me out of the loop. But um, he he was starting to dabble in drugs like that probably six months before he died. And I really don't know too many of the details in between because he kept that side so far away from me. And then come March, come my prom night, he is an absolute zombie. I something in my head was telling me something was wrong, but I couldn't put my finger on like He was so off. Something about him is just not right. He physically looked like sickly. And it's very, it's terrible, obviously, to see someone you love go through something like that and then not know why, because obviously I didn't know the full situation that was going on. The next day, um, he calls me and he was like, and I was actually not happy with him because of the way he behaved on prom night, because I thought he was being a bum and he just didn't want to go to prom. But he calls me and he was like, hey, you're like, everything okay? Like, are you still mad at me? And I was like, no, like, let's hang out later. Call me later. And that was that. And he overdosed that day and he didn't wake up from it. My goodness. So I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm truly, I'm so sorry. It's Um, okay to not have the right words to say because most people don't. So, and I have a lot of, I have a layer of dark humor with me as well. So if I ever make a joke that comes across a little strange, you can stop me. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. You know what? Humor is a lot of people's coping mechanisms and it is. I know at least for me, when I get uncomfortable or I get like a little vulnerable, or I feel like I'm sharing a lot about myself, I, I go back to humor as well, you know, cause sometimes Absolutely. being serious and being emotional is difficult for people. Um, Absolutely. But, it's very difficult for me. Yeah. I'm sure that was incredibly, incredibly hard for you to, I mean, to have two people in your life, to lose two people like so close to one another and at such a young age. Like how has, um, how has their loss affected your life and kind of what you do now and your outlook on life? 
Well, and I don't, and I, I go back to even just emailing you to begin with. I'm not sure even why I felt compelled to even just tell you these stories, but I feel like they, it all ties in obviously with my life and my business because when he passed away, I knew nothing else but to submerge myself in my business. Like, and at that point I wasn't doing social media management yet, but I just had my little clothing business and I literally had like the best financial months of my life at that point, because that's all I knew what to do. I was like, I don't know what else to do. I can't. And and unfortunately I will say this was a bad call on my part. I never like took days off of school or work or anything. And that was not smart, but, and and nowadays, if I, if something like that happened to me now, I would absolutely take my time and grieve properly, but I did fully submerge myself into my work, got my school work done as needed. I actually, (laughs) I was failing econ at college econ at the time. I I don't blame you. It's so hard. I was not good at it either. It almost took me out. It, it was the hardest class for no reason. But I turned in a test that next week with tears on it because I was crying mostly about I, how I was failing and I didn't have time to study because I was grieving. And obviously that is such a toxic mindset for yourself to be in. And I really, I wouldn't wish that kind of mindset upon my worst enemy either. But I turned on a test with tears on it and I explained to the professor, I'm sorry, I can't finish this test. Not only am I failing beforehand, but I'm going through this and that. And he was like, it sounds like you need to get some help. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you're probably right, but here's my test. I, I can't finish this. And so I highly recommend if, gosh, if you ever go through something like that and you feel like you have to keep pressing on, please take some time off. Like, gosh, give yourself time to process and grieve properly, get into therapy talk to people, like surround yourself with people who love you. Like there's no reason why you should feel compelled to keep going when you go through something so traumatic, especially at a young age. Mm -hmm. Did you feel like, did you feel like it was difficult to ask anyone for help? Absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm not an emotional person. And again, that's why I'm like, I don't know why I felt so compelled to just dump this on you, but I just felt like my story, like this was my time, like after all these years of you know, people hearing my story, me glossing over some details on social media, but it's obviously hard to communicate those emotions when you're just, I'm, I don't want to say I'm not an emotional person because that's not true, but I'm, I don't know. I've always thought of myself to be a non, a, not a very sensitive, like a very strong person and a brave person. So when you have to feel those feelings that make you feel weaker, it's kind of hard to do. Definitely. I mean, it makes you want to put off your feelings and just resort to what you know with which like you said was you put your grief kind of into hard work and like never taking time off and really funneling that energy into your business and of course it did pay off financially but how did that affect you emotionally um because you know one thing that i think anyone can tell you at any age is that money really well i mean i don't know if anyone will tell you this but i feel like money doesn't always equal happiness like of course yes money buys you things and it can it can help you be happier but it's not full happiness and full fulfillment and full like healing so how did that kind of translate for you well it actually kind of changed my mindset on that perspective because at that point when i hadn't really like i've never really had any relatives die that i was close with or anything of the sort So to me, money was happiness. My my business succeeding was happiness. So when that was going on and I still was unhappy, that kind of was a wake up call to me to like, obviously, gosh, obviously there's more to life than money. And of course, financial security is a very um, happiness fulfilling thing. But it's not like I had bills to pay at the time. Like I wasn't sitting there, you know, trying to pay my rent or whatever 
whatever. I was just trying to pass high school at that point. <laughs> right. Yeah. Almost kind of like a distraction, you know? Yes. Um, Cause if you have, some, if you have something else to focus on, um, you know, it keeps you from having to maybe look within and, and think about why you're actually like hyper-focused on something else. Um, so after all of that, were you able to find somebody to kind of confide in and be able to talk about your emotions with and everything? Well, it was hard for me because I, I was considering not going to college. Like, I don't know if I've ever even voiced that out loud, but I was like, there's no reason for me to go to college at this point. I can just run my business and live at home and figure it out from here. But I did go to school on time and I made a few friends. Like I lived in the dorms. I made a few friends like on my hall and a couple I'm still like really good friends with today. And I love a lot and they were there for me, but it's very hard when, and I didn't know any people at school either. Like there was very, I didn't have any friends there. I wanted to go to a place where I knew nobody intentionally. So I could Mm -hmm. learn, meet new people and try new things. Right. But I get there and it's very hard to explain to people who don't know you and weren't there through the situation. Cause now you have to tell your whole story all over again. Mm -hmm. Like I, for a long time, I had a picture of my ex-boyfriend, Nick. I, that's another thing. I don't know where they call him. my former boyfriend, my ex-boyfriend. It's, I know I always go back and forth, but I had a picture of him on like the back of my phone case. And this girl from my hall comes up to me and she's like, Oh, is that your boyfriend? And I was like, he used to be. And she was like, Oh, why? Like, why would you have a picture of him then? And I was like, Oh, so here I, I'm about to trauma dump on you now. Yeah. <laughs> and then she, poor girl probably felt so uncomfortable, like, and felt so bad, but I was like, you know, I asked for it by having the picture there. Like I have to be ready to tell the story. I'm posting on social media. I'm telling people like, I don't retelling that story over and over again was not fun. Yeah. But it was a good experience to go to a school where I, it was all strangers and meet new people from there. Yeah. Do you feel like kind of talking about your story is a form of healing for you? Absolutely. It is. It's free therapy to be able to talk to people who understand. And then there's very few people out there who I've been able to actually sit and like do what I'm doing right now, like throughout the last few years. And now it's obviously a lot easier for me, but I've come few, there's few and far between people who I can actually feel comfortable because I'm not a crier either. Like I'm sitting here telling you this story, like making jokes, smile on my face. Like there's people will stare at me like I'm weird for not crying or not like reacting in an emotional way sometimes. And I'm like, I'm sorry. It's just, I'm thinking about it in my head. I'm sad, but (laughs) I'm not going to start bawling. I'm not going to drop to my knees and bawl in front of you. And some people think that that's kind of odd. So I've tried to pick and choose who I tell the full details to and not maybe blast it on social media as much. And I do still share things like, especially in regards to like suicide hotlines and addiction services and things like that. I love sharing stuff like that. But when I put everything out there, people kind of expect the full story. And I don't always feel comfortable telling that full story to every person I come across. Yeah, I I can understand that. Like once it's almost like once you open the door and you kind of give people like an inch of you, they will ask for a mile. And sometimes you don't have that mile to give to other people because once you give that away, like you have nothing left for yourself. And Mm -hmm. so I can, I can understand the feeling of wanting some of those memories and some of like your feelings to yourself and not have to share every single piece of you with every person you meet. So in terms, in terms of, um, making new friends, you know, after college and meeting new people that didn't know you in high school, maybe don't know your story. Do you feel as though, um, some of the things that have happened to you, do you think it allows you to find more genuine friendships or do you feel like it makes it a little bit harder? I don't, 
I don't necessarily know how to word this, but like when you meet someone new, um, can you instantly tell if this is the type of person that you like want to open up to because you're very guarded or do you feel like this is now a story that you can use to meet new people essentially? Yeah. You worded that very well, but, um, I, I've always had a very good gut feeling about people. Like, honestly, that's just, I was born with it and I'm right a lot of times about it, thankfully. So I can usually, and especially because I was in a sorority too, with, you know, a hundred other girls, I was able to weed through and get gut feelings about, do I want to, do I want this person to be in my life beyond college, beyond the sorority for long-term? And in that case, I, it's probably someone I can trust with my emotions and my story to either not judge me or to just be a listener or somebody who's gone through something similar that we can relate to. Mm-hmm. And I've always had an, a simple time with that, that. I don't know if everyone else has in a similar situation, but I, because I have such a good judge of character, I'm very much able, able to weed through like the um, surface level friendships, I guess. Mm-hmm. One other question that I had about kind of dealing with like grief and everything, knowing that you live at home with your parents, um, how have they been in terms of like support for kind of just watching you go through some of the trauma that you've experienced so far? Gosh, I'm sure that I'm sure they've done the best they can. Like, I know that they have like we we don't talk about things like that very much. It's very it's a hard topic to bring up just obviously with anybody and me and my parents are pretty close, but we we reminisce in, in a positive way on, on like, you know, and they, and they loved my friend, Emily who passed away in December. She, she was like a second child to my dad. Like she was in our house constantly. And so he knew her very well. They, they knew my boyfriend obviously very well over the, the prior two years, but especially with Emily, like that definitely hit them as grief way closer to home. So they were obviously grieving on their own too. And then probably grieving the fact that their child is losing so much innocence I, I mean, right. I'm not a parent, so I can't assess what that's like to go through, but that's probably gotta be hard on a parent as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I feel like there's probably some type of unspoken support of living with people who actually knew the people, you know, like they knew the friendship and the, in the relationship that you had with these people that you loved and like lost. And so I feel like even if y'all haven't had a, you know, a, a very formal conversation, I'm sure they've seen like the hurt and the pain that you've gone through over the years and to live with people that understand that. So you don't feel the need to have those conversations and talk about your emotions. I'm sure that's also probably a sense of, you know, like comfort as well. It is like, it's comforting to me as, like I've said, I'm not the most like sensitive, like emotional person. I don't want to feel the need to unpack this, you know, every time something happens, you know, the unspoken thing is very comforting to me. Mm -hmm. Well, I also want to say that I am very honored that you chose to share it with me. I know that you said you don't really open up to many people. So the fact that you felt comfortable coming to me and that you sent me the message means the world to me. And I just want you to know that your story will touch thousands of girls that listen to this podcast and people, I shouldn't even say girls, but just thousands and thousands of people. Um, and just having conversations that, I'm sure a lot of people feel alone and like no one can relate to them. And I'm sure hearing your story will make them feel like a little bit more heard. Um, so to kind of wrap things up, it sounds like you are happy. Now you have your businesses that are thriving and you mentioned that you have a boyfriend. I do. That's shout out to John Michael. If he's ever going to listen to this, (laughs) but yes, he, we've been dating for almost two years now. And I, that's, he's been my only boyfriend since the situation. And 
despite everyone else telling me like, it's time to get back out there. I was like, you know, I'm going to do this on my own time. I'll figure it out. And, you know, it, I'm, I've never been the kind of person to look for like a boyfriend or look for friends or whatever. I'm just, I guess I'm just lucky that people usually come to me, but the situation <laughs> just, opened itself up to me. And so we've been together for the last almost two years now. That's great. You just have a good energy. People just are attracted to you. I mean, just like me, I'm like, I have to have this girl on here. I can just tell by your words, just the way that you wrote your message to me. I was like, I can, I can just tell that she's going to be great. She has an awesome story and I could just tell your like character and charisma through your words. So it's not surprising to me that, (laughs) that he came to you and, (laughs) and same with your friends. Um, so y'all are long distance. How is that going? It's been two years, right? Um, well, he, he's only been long distance since May. Um, okay. he's lived, he's lived nearby for the prior, I guess, one and a half years, but he's in the military. So that's fun, but we're very independent people, which is perfect for me. Cause I've always been very independent and I'm an introvert as well. So I recharge in my own space and I feel like he's, he can tell me I'm wrong when I say this, but he can, he's very similar as well, where we both appreciate our space and we've never felt like overwhelmed with each other's presence but even just having the distance between us is like I'm not going to call it a good thing whatsoever but it's it's healthy for us in a way too to have that space because then I can go visit whenever I want he can come here whenever he wants and you know the way that things figure out in the future will play by ear day by day yeah I say this all the time but I get so many messages of people asking me like for advice on long distance. And I think if, if you are two secure, independent people and like y'all have, you know, great lives outside of each other, then long distance can be, like you said, it can be a good thing. It allows you to grow and build something for yourself and not have to rely on another person. And so, you know, if you guys ever do like go your separate ways. Like you're not losing every part of yourself because you have every part of yourself. You're just kind of emphasizing it when you are together with your person. Um, exactly. Yeah. We are both the same way in that regard, which is why I think we make a great couple. And that's what other people have told me as well that know both of us. They're like, yeah, if y'all are killing long distance. Like you're just, you're doing just fine. And he lives by the beach. So it's just a beach trip. Anytime I want to go. Yeah. There you go. Free vacation. <laughs> oh my exactly. gosh. What, what beach is it? It's in Mississippi. I don't, I don't know if I can say because he's military. I don't know if oh. I can say the location, oh, you're but right. it is beach. So that's great. <laughs> All right. Well, what's it called? A uh, couple's trip coming up. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. I would die. Yes. We'll, we'll do a double date to, to the beach in Mississippi, wherever, whatever beach it is. Um, so last thing kind of after, you know, my podcast is called fun on weekdays which to can mean something different to everyone. You know, it could mean like going on a walk or getting your nails done or whatever. But the deeper meaning behind fun on weekdays to me was that I didn't want to waste a single day of my life that I wasn't doing just one thing that made me happy, that brought me joy. And I didn't want to wait for, you know, an anniversary or a weekend or a specific moment to celebrate little wins in my life. And so Based on, you know, what's kind of happened to you over the past few years, how has fun on weekdays kind of related to your life and what you've gone through? Yeah. So, and I, I love everything about fun on weekdays because I, without even probably realizing or verbalizing it, I've probably lived a similar way even before, like and after like my life situations, but I will say today, and I've, I've got a cat in March for my birthday. Any day I spend with her is a fun day. Like any day I can just relax 
put on a comfort show and hang out with my cat or I one of my childhood best friends also lives at home and lives up the road for me if I can call whoever we could have a movie night with my cat <laughs> and we could have just a girl's night that to me and no matter what day of the week it's on that is such a fun day to me and that is so like like and of course like when I say this friend or any of my other like really close friends I don't feel like I'm using my social battery to hang out with them either so when I say I have to I'm an introvert I have to recharge I'm a, I invite people over or I hang out with people that don't make me feel like I'm like using my battery and to me that is the perfect evening the perfect day that's a really good point. There's like a lot of people in the world that you are with them for an hour and you're like, wow, I feel drained. And then there's yes. people that you're with and you, you kind of feel like recharged. So the importance of finding those people, um, I'm sure plays a huge role. And I'm sure also just losing people as well gives you a different kind of mindset of, you know, any day, any day you could lose any single person in your life that you love and care about or yourself. And so like, why not make the most of every single day? And, you know, yeah, I don't know where I was going there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Perfect. No, it's exactly what I was thinking. It's the mundane things. It's the day to day of like, let's just hang out and watch like the bachelor. Like let's mm-hmm. have a girl's night. Let's go out and get a drink. Like it doesn't have to be an occasion to do stuff like that. And, and, and again, like I, any day I hang and just hang out with my cat for like 30 minutes out of the day. If I just need to detox from work and I just want to sit and put my phone away that is, that is serene to me. I feel you. I need, I need more serene moments. I think we all need more serene moments in our life. Um, especially right now, I feel like it's back to school season. I know a lot of people are in college or just like, even if you're not in college back to school season, for whatever reason, I am still affected by it, even though I'm not in school. Like, tell me why I'm stressed out. I don't know. Literally. <laughs> well, and like, I, I saw a TikTok too. That was like, when you realize that fall is just fall now that you're like an adult and it's not like back to school season, like, yeah. it's just a season. And I'm like, that is so, I'm like, I've been graduated for two years, but it's still bizarre. I know it's weird to think about it like that because time just goes by so fast. I mean, we, we both graduated at the same time and it feels like I was in college yesterday. Like I'm seeing the sorority recruitment TikToks right now. And I'm like, oh my God, this is striking a chord with me because it's just bringing me back to philanthropy season. Like, yeah, it's, it's crazy to think how much time passes so quickly. Yes, I agree. And well, and for me, because I was in a sorority as well, and we did recruitment in the winter time. So every year, like we, I'd have recruitment. I'd see everyone going through it in August and I'm like, all right, when's our recruitment time? Like it's time will come. So come January when I see all of the girls from my school doing it, I'm going to feel the same thing of like, Oh, I kind of wish I was there. <laughs> yeah. It's that sense of FOMO, you know, just looking back and being appreciative of the times that you had, but also like we're in a new stage of our life where we have so many things that those girls that are in college right now in your sorority are looking forward to being able to have the chance to do what you're doing right now. So I always try to Absolutely. remind myself whenever I'm like, Oh man, I really wish I was doing that right now. I'm like, you know what? They're probably thinking, man, I wish I was doing what she's doing. So mm-hmm. There's pros and cons to every situation. The grass is always greener. So I guess if you just appreciate like wherever you are right now, I feel like you will be smooth sailing. Love that. Well, thank you so much, Jenna. This was, this was a great episode. I I feel like, as you just said, I feel recharged after talking to you and <laughs> that is there's, a the lot of, compliment. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of times I do an episode. I'm like, Oh man, you know, sometimes and this is, this doesn't happen often, but like more frequently when I'm doing episodes alone and I'm, I get drained by myself. And I think mm-hmm. it's important to bring people on like you that kind of uplift me and bring the energy up. And also I just know the value of this episode that will reach so many people. So I feel good. I hope you feel good. I hope everyone listening feels good. 
And I do. I feel good because, well, and I've always said, like, I don't know why I felt compelled to like tell you this and why I wanted to come on here. And now was the time to tell my story, but you put yourself out there as such like a, a friend, like all of your TikToks make it seem like I'm on FaceTime with a friend, like literally <laughs> dressing you up and picking out your outfit. Like, <laughs> and I know you do it that way intentionally because it's so comforting. Like I felt like I know you, even though it's a parasocial relationship. And even though you didn't know me, I'm like, I, I want to tell this girl, I feel so compelled. Her audience will feel so like, it'll resonate with her audience. It, it'll be a perfect fit somehow. And we're both named Jenna. So even better. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Perfect fit. And just, so you know, this day forward, it's no longer a parasocial relationship. This is a friendship because Honor. we now, now I know you see, that's the thing is like, I love the podcast because I get a chance to actually hear other people's stories instead of just constantly telling my own. So anyone listening, if you feel compelled by this episode and you have a story that you'd like to share, whether you're talking about your job or your life or relationships, friendships, literally anything, um, you can do the same as Jenna. She just wrote me a message on my website, which is funonweekdays.com and tell me just a little bit about yourself and what fun on weekdays means to you. And who knows, maybe next week you'll be my guest. (laughs) Yes, please do it because, well, and like Jenna always says to make it happen. I just felt compelled to literally, I I listened to your podcast that day and I forget there was something at the end that was like, that you were telling people to reach out to you. And I was like, you know, maybe I should do them. Just make it happen. Like I'll just type up my little message. And then I hovered over the send for a little bit and then just full send. And then the fact that you responded, I was like, oh my God, wait, this is, this is for real. (laughs) Well, I'm glad that you sent it. Here we are now. And so I guess that is the end of our episode. You guys, thank you so much, Jenna. This was beautiful and you're so eloquent. So who knows? Maybe next time I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. Whenever I'm in Atlanta, I might be doing an event there. Who Please. knows? Wink, I'm wink. <laughs> um, I will have to have a little slumber party with you and let me know when you're in Austin. <laughs> I, yeah. One of my good friends, she's moving away from Austin, unfortunately, but she's lived there for the last year. And I went and visited in March and I was like, oh my God. I'm in the same town as Jenna. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna make the parasocial relationship real. <laughs> it is real. It is real. Text me when you're back. And you guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'll talk to you all next Tuesday.